Good evening, everybody. Welcome back to yet another live stream brought to you directly from SWP TV. My name's Sophia Beach. I'm going to be your host for a brilliant discussion that we've got going on this evening. And despite us being in very uh, unclear circumstances with the Tories clearly in disarray, another lockdown on its way, of course, the dramatic event, events of last week that we're going to be discussing tonight, and I'm sure many more dramatic events to come with the US election and so on this week. I'm really excited to be talking to you this evening and having a discussion with you about Corbyn's suspension from the Labour Party just last week, and also raising the questions about where now for the left within Labour, and also for those who want to stand in solidarity with Palestine. I'd just like to remind people who are watching at home to please share the stream, like, ask any questions that you like. We'll try and hopefully filter these in throughout the discussions. We're streaming to you from Facebook, YouTube and Instagram. We've already got 300 people already across these three platforms. So please do continue to share it in your groups, you know, your local Labour Party groups, any sort of political ones that you think. I think a lot of people um, are clearly wanting to discuss these things. I've seen a lot on social media already. So I think we should get cracking. Of course, as always, it's not just me here on my own. Uh, there's much to discuss and I've got lots of questions to ask. So I'd like to introduce our three fantastic guests that we've got tonight. First up, we've got Charlie Kimber, who is editor of the weekly newspaper, Socialist Worker. Socialist Worker. Evening to you, Charlie. It's nice to see you again. We're also, joined tonight, you we're also joined tonight by Emma Davis, who's a primary school teacher and an activist in the NEU. Solidarity with all teachers across the UK, Emma. I hope you're doing good. And of course, last but not least, we're joined yet again by Elan Pape. Elan is a renowned Israeli historian and author of multiple books, including Ten Israel and the Ethnic Cleansing of Palestine. So welcome. It's good to see you again, Elan. Thank you for joining us. Um, and of course, welcome to everyone, all of you who are watching at home. Uh, once again, thank you for tuning in. Continue to like and share the stream. And hopefully we can have a brilliant evening of discussion about the events of last week. I think this is clearly the question of the moment. Millions of us have been inspired by Corbyn and his plans for a radically different society. And it's no surprise that Keir Starmer represents a clear break from this and a shift to the right within Labour. Many young people like myself who are infused by the Corbyn project are now taken to social media to raise the questions as to whether the Labour Party truly is the vehicle for the radical change that we want to see in society. And if it isn't, then what is the alternative uh, for this? So I think just to get started with, let's just remind ourselves of the events that happened last week with a little bit of a video clip from both Keir Starmer and Jeremy Corbyn, if we could bring up that clip, please. I made it clear that we won't tolerate anti-Semitism or the denial of anti-Semitism uh, through the suggestion that it's exaggerated or factional. And that's why I was disappointed with Jeremy Corbyn's response. And that is why appropriate action has been taken, which I fully support. I want to unite the Labour Party, bring our factions together as a united party. But I made a very clear commitment to root out anti-Semitism, and I'm going to follow through on that commitment. We cannot say zero tolerance um, and then turn a blind eye. Throughout the leadership um, contest, which was three months, I was absolutely clear about my position on anti-Semitism. There wasn't any issue about that. All the candidates uh, were. So I think everybody who voted me in as leader would have expected me to take strong action. I know and I sense the, the hurt um, and the pain of the Jewish community by um, the failure to get to grips with anti-Semitism in the party in the past. I'm determined that we will follow through on the recommendations from the report this morning uh, as one step 
in the journey to rebuilding trust? Very shocked and very disappointed. I've been in the Labour Party all my life. And I want to make it absolutely clear. Anti-Semitism has no place whatsoever in our party or our movement. I've opposed it and racism in all its forms all my life. And that is what I've made clear during my leadership of the party and I'll make clear today as a member of parliament and proud to be one. What I'll be doing is appealing to the party and those that have made this decision to kindly think again. All I've done is pointed out that this terrible issue of anti-Semitism does exist and anyone that has anti-Semitic views has no place in the Labour movement or the Labour Party and we have to deal with it. That is why I set up a process to deal with it. I've explained what I said, I've explained what I meant by it. I am not diminishing or minimising the issue of anti-Semitism. It is serious, it is real, it does exist. Quite clearly a decision was made in a very quick way and I just say, hang on a minute, let's all keep a bit calmer. Let's think again about this whole issue. Our party comes together to fight racism and injustice, but we also come together to bring about economic justice for the people of this country. That is what unites our movement and our party, and that is what I appeal to members to focus on. Don't go away, don't leave the party, stay in the party and argue the case for economic and social justice in our society. Right, so with that clip, we saw both Keir Starmer and Jeremy Corbyn responding uh, to questions from the media regarding the events last week, of course. From the beginning, I would like to make it absolutely clear um, that my position and the position we hold in the Socialist Workers' Party is that anti-Zionism is not anti-Semitism. And as anti-racist activists, we must be able to freely criticise the actions of the Israeli state in the oppression of the Palestinian people. Tonight, we'll be defending Jeremy Corbyn, and I'd like to say that as a British student, but as a British Jew, I disagree with the allegations of anti-Semitism made against him. My grandfather survived the Warsaw Ghetto and the Nazi, and the Nazi concentration camps. And it was this part of my family history that drew me to anti-racist politics and socialist politics. Anti-Semitism is a very real and dangerous threat, which is no doubt on the rise. We see it on the far right in the US and here at home in Britain. Fascism poses the biggest threat to Jews, people of colour and socialists all across the world. To fight against it, we need a broad and united anti-racist movement. And this is why the events of last week that happened in Labour saddened me, to be honest. I think with Keir Starmer and the right wing of the party clearly make a move to not only silence the left over the question of Palestine, but actually make it so that the Labour Party is now a place where uh, Palestinian solidarity and those who stand in solidarity with Palestine are clearly made to feel incredibly unwelcome. This will do nothing but divide the left at a time when we need to be united and stand against the Tories and against the rise in racism. And I think for these reasons and many more, I think it's becoming increasingly urgent to defend Palestine, build an anti-racist movement, and raise questions about how we organize beyond the bounds of the Labour Party. So we're already on over 550 people watching. Thank you very much. Like I said, please continue to share the stream, but I think we should get down to the nitty gritty. So I'm gonna come firstly to you, Charlie, if that's okay, like we've said, I think we're all aware it's been a tumultuous few days. A big row in the Labour Party, lockdown announced, and of course tomorrow is the US election. For the left, the suspension of Corbyn has been a key issue. I'd like to ask you, what do you make of all of this stuff? Well, look, this is a political earthquake. Let's remember that less than 12 months ago, Jeremy Corbyn was the leader of the Labour Party and its candidate to be Prime Minister. Uh, now, it's uncertain 
whether he can be a member of that party. It's no, no longer a question of whether he can be in 10 Downing Street. It's a question of whether he is allowed to be a member. And there's been nothing quite like this before. Of course, there have been waves of expulsions and suspensions throughout the Labour Party's history, but never anyone so soon after they've held such a major position being excluded from party membership. And the timing is extraordinary. Just think, here we are with Boris Johnson implementing policies around the pandemic which have killed thousands of people and its chaotic lockdown now is going to lead to the deaths of thousands more. It's a time when millions of people are unemployed or facing unemployment. Poverty stalks the land. It's a time when the world is in turmoil and Keir Starmer's priority is to get rid of Jeremy Corbyn and to attack the left. Now, why is he doing that? Uh, firstly, I think to extirpate, to eliminate entirely the idea that the Labour Party is a threat to the ruling class. He believes that the way to get elected is to show that you aren't a threat to the rich and powerful in British society. The second is to humble, to humiliate, to intimidate the left inside the Labour Party and as far as possible outside the Labour Party. To uh, remove some directly from the party, but to leave the others silent, unwilling to raise their voices against it. And thirdly, to assault the movement for Palestinian rights. It's not accidental that the issue of Palestine is so central because it focuses all those questions of imperialism, of the British ruling class, of American power. Let's not forget we're holding this meeting on the anniversary of the signing of the Balfour Declaration in 1917, when uh, the British ruling class played a huge role in laying the basis for the removal of Palestinians from their homeland. That's the situation we are in. Now, let me say very briefly what we're going to do about it. Firstly, we stand in solidarity with Jeremy Corbyn. Uh, he is not an anti-Semite. It's a extraordinary inversion that one of the most anti-racist people in Parliament is accused of being a racist. It's a vile lie. And we will stand with Corbyn in the trade union movement, in the wider labour movement, to overturn the decision that has been made about it. But secondly, it can't be done by the method of retreat or by apology. I'm afraid there have been far too many retreats and apologies. And far too often I hear from people on the Labour left now, we should campaign for Jeremy, but we should keep quiet about the question of Palestine or the question of anti-Semitism. These issues need to be confronted head on. If it had been confronted head on some years ago, I do not believe we would be in the position we are now. And finally, I think we have to raise the question of whether this incident should prove to all of us that the Labour Party is not the vehicle for the transformation of society and that Labourism is a dead end. Thanks for that, Charlie. I couldn't agree with you more, if I'm honest. I think you're absolutely right that, uh, of course, the issue of Palestine is the crystallising kind of key point of all of these evils in society, from imperialism, capitalism and racism itself. So thank you for that introduction. I'm going to now turn to Emma. Emma, you're a primary school teacher, and of course, we've all seen in the news that yet another national lockdown has been announced. However, schools will be kept open and so will university courses will continue to run. The Tories, and Boris Johnson especially, 
seem to have no control over the COVID crisis and are clearly under an immense amount of pressure. In that context, what do you think of Starmer going for Labour and the left rather than taking the point to fight to the Tories and those at the top of society? Thank, thanks, Sophia. And um, I want to just start off as well by saying I completely agree with Charlie about the question of um, Palestine and anti-Semitism and the importance of standing um, with, with the Palestinians. And I really do think that has to be one of our starting points when we talk about this. Um, but when we turn to the question about what's happening in schools, um, I think it's very clear that the rise in the R rate that we've seen is clearly linked to the reopening of schools in September. And we've seen the stats of the come out that between the 1st of September and the 23rd of October, the rate of infection for children aged two to nine increased by multiples of nine, for children aged seven to 11 by multiples of 50, and for school year 12 to age 24 by multiples of 18. So I think this really does show schools, colleges, and universities are places of transmission. And it's for this purpose that I feel it is a real shame that Keir Starmer, along with his attack on Corbyn and the left this week, is saying, um, lining up with the Tories, saying schools must stay open, even if this means putting communities in danger, basically siding with the government over the unions. Um, you know, educators, we want to be in school. We want to be there teaching and helping support our students, especially those who are from disadvantaged backgrounds. However, we also want our communities to be safe. And the evidence is saying that this isn't the case. And any national lockdown should include schools as they have been found to be places of transmission. And I think it's really been brilliant to see my union, the National Education Union, leading on this call. We have a left group called NEU Left. It's a grassroots organization of educators. We held a meeting that was 150 strong just last night to discuss how we can build support for this bottom up in our schools and local areas, because we know that that is the sort of organization that we are going to need to win. Um, a thousand people joined the NEU between Saturday and Sunday after the new, the second lockdown was announced, and over 135,000 have signed the NEU's petition to include schools in the national lockdown. And I think that we also have to remember the hundreds of thousands of educators and parents who organized in the run up to June demanding safety in our schools. The NEU recruited thousands of new members and hundreds of new reps. And we can see that everything that the Conservatives promised us, from track and trace, from testing, to laptops for every student, to free school meals, each of these they have completely failed to deliver on. And if we look back to June, who was the Education Secretary then? It was Rebecca Long-Bailey, a supporter of Corbyn. Well, what did Starmer do? He sacked her too. At every opportunity, Starmer has aligned himself with the Conservatives to protect the interests of business and the economy. And from May, Starmer argued that the priority had to be schools reopening, disregarding the demands of the unions again. And it seems as though he only really supports the demands of workers and the unions when he's swimming with the, t swimming with the tide. So, you know, the Tories' response to the crisis and the new lockdown announcement is evidence of their chaotic approach to the pandemic. It's had a massive opportunity to the opposition party, but Starmer has failed the working class people every step of the way. So I really feel it's up to us to organize a movement for a genuine left alternative to the Tories. 
Yeah, thanks for that, Emma. We've had a comment in the comment section from George Price who says, Emma is right, all educational establishments should be closed. And I couldn't agree with you more. Like my, my mum's a teacher, she's been sent into work every single day. Um, and I think credit to you and solidarity to those in the NEU, especially on those in the NEU left. It's really inspiring and good to see that actually the trade unions are doing what they should be doing, which is standing up for their workers. And I think it's a great thing that um, I read over the weekend, I think over a thousand people or something joined the NEU. So I think this is the kind of action we need, particularly when we have a Labour Party that doesn't seem to be representing the workers and the trade unions that have backed it for such a long time. Uh, we're on over 600 people watching, so I think it's a perfect time to introduce Elan Pape. We're delighted to be joined with you once again, Elan. We've spoken to you on events like this before on this question, but we seem to find ourselves here once again. It's another ruthless attack by the Labour right and again on the question of anti-Semitism. Why is Corbyn's suspension so significant? It is significant because it's uh, probably the last stage in uh, a campaign that started two, three years ago to weaponize anti-Semitism as means of stifling uh, debate and discussion on Palestine, in particular, preventing any uh, criticism on the continued uh, Israeli oppression uh, of the Palestinians. Uh, from the very beginning, targeting someone who could be a prime minister or could be and was a leader of the opposition is a kind of a message that says, doesn't matter how high up you are or how important you are, we can get you. Uh, these tactics uh, were not born in the United Kingdom. They were imported from, imported from the United States. This is exactly how APAC dealt with some very powerful senators in the 1960s who dared to express even a moderate criticism on Israeli policies, and they did all they could to destroy their uh, political career. So I think that this is a very important moment. This is a, a total expo exposure of how far the pro-Israeli uh, 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 lobby or the pro-Zionist lobby can go, how, who, who, are, who are their allies, who are their allies in, uh, in, in Britain uh, and in the labor establishment as well. And I think it, um, it really, and I agree with something Charlie said, any, any uh, counter uh, movement by us that is based on uh, apologies or retreats uh, is only going to aggravate the situation. Uh, we need to be very uh, uh, proactive on this and challenge everything without uh, being afraid of being continuously condemned as anti-Semites or in your case, in my case, Sophia, self-hating Jews, which seems to be a new illness that they have invented that uh, seems to affect us. Um, uh, may I only just add one more thing, uh, and I agree totally with it, uh, a point made also earlier uh, by Charlie on, on how uh, Palestine epitomizes so many other issues apart from the Israeli Zionist oppression, uh, that it is about uh, social justice and the hypocrisy of mainstream media, mainstream politics in dealing with issues that during this pandemic it became very clear that even the most neoliberal, neo-capitalist countries and uh, governments in the world had reluctantly to employ, be it for a short term, uh, uh, socialist policies, because otherwise they could have not dealt with the pandemic. And it is a shameful moment in the history of the Labour Party 
that at this historical uh, juncture, it is unable to seize the historical moment and instead serving a Zionist lobby and the Blairite agenda that wants to obliterate the socialist left. And probably uh, we should look elsewhere, outside the Labour Party, both for the sake of Palestine, for the sake of workers in Britain and in Europe, and for the sake of socialist justice around the world. Absolutely. Well said. Thank you for that, Elam. We've had a comment a few minutes ago from Sarah who said, too many retreats. And apologies, well said, Charlie, and of course she also means Emma and Elan. She said, hashtag free Palestine. Um, I think you've answered it somewhat and you've made it quite clear. I completely resonate with you as well. I think it's awful, um, the retreat of the left and um, the rep what the Labour Party now represents, particularly at this moment in history, when it really does seem as though, you know, there's young people and movements out on the streets, people are fighting, but the Labour Party is not. So, Elon, I'd like to ask you again, what do you make of the EHRC report and response from most of the left in Britain, but also across Europe and the world? Yeah. Uh, like you, Sophie, I come from a family that was uh, uh, members, uh, some survived the Holocaust, Holocaust, some of them did not. And uh, the association between uh, a, a definition of uh, Holocaust denial and with uh, any criticism on Israel, the very linkage between these two issues, one a sacred issue, uh, no doubt, we, we should not allow any Holocaust denial. But the other one is a hypocritical issue that does not allow genuine criticism of Israel, linking those two together is an abuse of the Holocaust memory. And I say it as someone uh, who comes from such a family. Uh, I think really that um, uh, the whole justified struggle against Holocaust denial was uh, kidnapped, hijacked by an agenda that has nothing to do with Holocaust denial and has everything to do with an attempt to uh, uh, provide immunity for the Israeli impunity on the ground. Uh, and, and this is something that we should not be uh, deterred by or be intimidated by, despite the fact that the Secretary of State for Higher Education is threatening universities uh, with, of, with withholding funds if they don't adopt uh, this definition. Uh, I think that we should uh, expose what lies behind this definition, the subtext of this definition. And the subtext, again, has nothing to do with increasing Holocaust denial or that there is a particularly danger that the Holocaust is more denied than ever before. You can easily see that there is a correlation between these efforts and the continuous uh, uh, erosion of Israel's moral image in the world. Everything that they do now on the ground in Palestine is seen, is exposed. Anyone with a modicum of decency in them opposes these policies, these ideology, and you cannot fight them with F-16 or tanks. So you're fighting them with a weapon of anti-Semitism and, and even worse as being Holocaust uh, denier. This is on the one hand so pathetic that I think intelligent people find it sometimes hard to confront because it is so ridiculous. But on the other hand, it's very serious because it can really bring, and it already has done so in the States and in England and in the UK, 
brought to people losing their jobs or their promotion or being under uh, uh, pressure to change their, um, their points of view. So we should take it seriously. But like everything else we talked about tonight so far, we have to be proactive and not apologetic and, uh, and we should not retreat on this issue as well. Yeah, spot on. Thank you, Eli. I think it is important to note that as we're having this conversation right now, you know, daily life in Palestine continues to go on. The Israeli government continues to occupy, illegally occupy land. Uh, innocent Palestinian lives are continue to be lost at the hands of the IDF. And I think, uh, you know, as Jews, this is something that we should point towards, I believe, as a Jewish person, I will, I will always stand on the side of the oppressed. That's why I stand in solidarity with Palestine. So thank you for that, Elan. We'll be coming back to you um, just in a little bit. But I'm going to turn to Charlie again now. One of the big questions that has been raised here is about the response of the left. Anti-Semitism is, of course, a very real growing threat that we've already spoken about. And of course, the um, US election tomorrow, we see Donald Trump emboldening in the far right and so on, no matter what the result of the election is. These are obviously things that are concerns for us. But it's also been an issue which has pushed the left on the back foot. Has the left been too defensive on this issue? And I'd also like to stick in a question here, which has been put by Les Watts in the comments section. Les asks, will Corbyn be brave enough to organise outside the Labour Party? So there's two questions for you there, Charlie. Well, look, anti-Semitism is real and it is a growing threat. And it's a growing threat because of the rise of the far right and of fascism across large parts of the world. Um, we know that infests the QAnon conspiracists, for example, who cluster around Donald Trump in the United States. We know that every fascist and Nazi movement although it takes up Islamophobia and other forms of racism centrally, also comes on to take up anti-Semitism. So that's real. It's not about denying that in any form at all. But let's be clear, that's not what is driving this inside the Labour Party. Starmer's outrage is highly selective. His outrage is not about the migrants who drown in the channel. It's not about the way in which black people suffer the violence of the police. This is the man who called the Black Lives Matter movement a moment. Uh, it's not about the way in which people like Diane Abbott were attacked, for example, inside the Labour Party. You remember that 860 page report which said that uh, Labour Party officials had luxuriated in the humiliation of Diane Abbott, that said that those who had nominated Corbyn in order to broaden the field should be sh shot. Uh, it's highly selective, his outrage, and it has a particular object, as I explained earlier. The trouble is that the left has made far too many concessions. It's not a new thing. This has been going on for four years and more. And on every occasion, there was a brutal attack claiming that the Labour Party was anti-Semitic and the left was anti-Semitic. And on every occasion, instead of confronting it politically, the left retreated. And people like Mark Wadsworth and Ken Livingstone, who don't share, I don't share all their politics by any means. And I think some of the things they said some of the time are not completely accurate. But be clear, they're not anti-Semites. We're allowed to be driven out of the party. Chris Williamson MP was thrown out for saying something very similar to that which Corbyn said last week. And again and again, the concessions were made. And the trouble is, if you keep running, 
they'll keep coming for you. And be clear, that's going to keep happening now. Now, why does it happen? This links to the second question that I was asked. It's because the Labour Party is fixated on the parliamentary sphere. The MPs have immense sway inside the party. And in order to do better at elections, it's seen as necessary to unite, not just with the left, with the centre, but with the right as well. And because the right are ruthless and unbending, they force the centre to make concessions and then the left make concessions to the centre. And this is a process which has been going on for over 100 years inside the Labour Party uh, movement. And therefore, the big question is, are people prepared to break from that method? And I hear some talk of people saying we need a different sort of party. Good, good. Let's turn that into reality. Let's have a party based upon struggle in the streets and the workplaces rather than on parliament. But I very much fear from what I've heard that uh, the main message is unity, and that means giving in to the right. It means reasserting the laborist tradition. And we have to break from that tradition if we're going to get away from the horrors that we've seen over the last few days. Certainly. Thank you for that analysis, Charlie. I'd just like to let people know that we're on over 600 people watching um, across all three platforms. That's on YouTube, Instagram and Facebook. So just another reminder to keep asking questions, making comments and to set, share that stream so we can get the message out and uh, broaden the discussion. Just whilst you guys are clicking on your computer screens and doing that, I'm going to read out a few more comments that I've seen in the section. Firstly, Shirley says something that was linked to what Elan was saying, that as a Jew, I've experienced anti-Semitism from all sorts. But the worst and scariest is, is from the right. But this weaponizing of anti-Semitism is disgusting and actually itself increases anti-Semitism. I couldn't agree more with that. I think whilst we've got these allegations um, being made against those in the Labour Party, like we've said, we've seen the far right on the rise, you know, anti-lockdown protests and stuff have got elements of anti-Semitism within them. And just like Elan was saying, the conflation of these two actually means that uh, we are rewriting our own history with this language. And I think any time someone hears the word anti-Semite, they should think of the horrors of World War II and the far right um, and not what we're seeing now with Jeremy Corbyn and the British left. We've also got a comment from Norman who says, sadly, Corbyn went, Corbyn went quiet over the Palestinian cause when he was leader. He should have come out and fought for the cause. Instead, by his silence, Labour Party members followed and stayed quiet, fearing suspension if they spoke out. So I guess the question is now, what should we do with members who do wish to speak out? I'm going to come to you once again, Emma. It's just off the back of what Charlie was saying. Um, he mentioned about the electoralism and focus of winning elections in the Labour Party. And it's one of the most forceful, forceful arguments, isn't it? And indeed, one which helped Starmer win the leadership election. Everybody said that he's more likely to win an election, he's more presentable, more statesmanly than Corbyn and so on. And, you know, we know how the argument goes. They say that all of us who are inspired by Corbyn's vision for a better world need to simply just put up with Starmer because he can win these elections. Do you think there's any truth in that? And should we be looking towards that approach? And um, thank you, Sophia, and um, thanks to the other speakers. And I also just want to share them that I really agree that the attack on Corbyn and on the left as whole um, is distracting from the real pressing issue of, of anti-Semitism and the rise of the far right. Um, and to come to your question, I really feel that this comes down to a question of politics and what is seen as electable 
electable and quotations will reflect that. Um, Starmer's perceived electability is directly linked to his support for big business. And in every way, Starmer has sought to distance himself from Corbyn's more progressive or radical policies. Um, one might say that Starmer is the Diet Coke to the Tories Coca-Cola. Um, fewer calories, but produced by the same greedy capitalist system. Um, but, you know, Corbyn really represented something different. There were socialist ideas in his manifesto, like supporting nationalization of key industries like the railways, supporting a million climate jobs and calling for a green industrial revolution and support for workers in struggle. And it's important to remember the mass popularity of his manifesto. 10.3 million people voted for it. And um, that every time he spoke out against imperialist war and um, linked it to the rise of Islamophobia and um, spoke out against the war on terror, actually his popularity grew whenever he made those connections. And it's really completely understandable that this would be seen as a threat to those in the Labour Party, Labour Party, sorry, supporting links with big business. Now, the next election isn't until 2024. But we can't wait till then to tackle the fights that we're talking about. The COVID-19 pandemic, the fight against anti-Semitism, Islamophobia, for Black Lives Matter and against all forms of racism, the rise of the far right, solidarity with Palestine, the climate emergency, the economic crisis. This is why the energy and movement that fueled Corbyn can't be lost to the Labour Party. It needs to go beyond it. And I really feel that the Black Lives Matter movement taught us all a lesson in the summer. It showed us how to fight back by taking to the streets in our masses and bringing the statues down. So did the student climate strikes last year. And in the US, a really good example is the teachers who over years have been organizing, going on strike and winning demands against Trump and now over safety for schools around COVID-19. So socialists need to be bringing this energy into our unions, our workplaces and communities to fight to win the different world we so desperately need. Cheers, thanks for that Emma. I really enjoyed your analogy about the Coca-Cola and uh, Diet Coke. We've got comments uh, in the, we've got comments in the section who say the same things. They say Starmer is a lion hypocrite. This is what Richard says. Why has he ignored the threat and racism to Diane Abbott, including from Labour Party officials? I mean, B2 even asked, is the Labour Party still a left party? I think, of course, we know there are still socialists and members within it, but is, is Keir Starmer representative of what Jeremy Corbyn did? Certainly not. I think it's an entirely different party. We see it in the response to your union, but also in the response, like we said, to the attacks from Corbyn. But um, you mentioned the BLM movement. I was proud to say that I was on that demonstration in Bristol when they toppled the statue of Edward Colston. And what did Keir Starmer do? He condemned it. Uh, and refused to say that it was a racist statue that should never have been put up in the first place. So I think that kind of says it all for you, really, uh, with what Keir Starmer and his vision for the Labour Party seems to represent at the moment. But that being said, he is not representative of all members in Labour. I think we have to remember that as socialists. I'm going to come back to you, Elan, if that's OK. You're someone, of course, as we know, who's been inspiring and has spoken up for many years on the great injustice we see in Palestine. Many of those inspired by Corbyn's talk of social justice not least on the question of Palestine, will no doubt have seen his suspension as a blow. I mean, I'm one of those people included. What can we do to keep up the fight for justice, but also learn the political lessons from this experience? I think there are a few lessons uh, to be learned from uh, that setback. And I agree with you, Sophie. It's, it's a setback. It's a blow. We cannot underrate uh, the importance of what happened. 
uh, first of all, that uh, we are facing a strong lobby uh, that uh, does not uh, mince its, uh, its uh, it, that does not uh, uh, is not reluctant to use or employ, uh, uh, I would say, uh, violent and uh, insidious means in order to to get its message across. Uh, we should understand what we are facing. Uh, and we should struggle in all these levels. They, they, they could be legal, parliamentarian, on the streets, in campuses, uh, and among all walks of life in, in the society. So one lesson is that uh, we, we have here a struggle, a, a genuine struggle uh, to be heard, uh, uh, even for just for the purpose of expressing solidarity with the Palestinian uh, people but remembering that this expression of solidarity is very, very important to the oppressed people uh, of Palestine. And therefore, this is a, a justified struggle. Uh, and despite such setbacks as this one, uh, we have the uh, uh, support from the most of the people uh, in our civil society and around the world. The second, uh, I would say, lesson is that we should probably broaden the networks of identification and solidarity. Palestine is a symbol, it epitomizes the struggles for social justice, but there are other struggles that can be uh, uh, reinforced with uh, uh, the solidarity movement for Palestine and the solidarity movement for Palestine can be reinforced by these uh, struggles. And I think that uh, a stronger uh, global and not just local, network of uh, oppressed workers, uh, Native Americans, African Americans, people around the world with, with the Palestinians is, is a powerful uh, coalition against the, the excess of evil uh, that uh, is running our economies, governments, media, and unfortunately, in some cases, also part of our uh, academia. So I think that's a second uh, um, lesson to be learned. And the third one, is that uh, we need new organizations uh, or we should uh, enhance all uh, existing organizations but which are not playing the game of the establishment it's very clear that the the kind of gen and i think it was a genuine belief by many people that you can change from within the mainstream media the mainstream politics the mainstream academia that you could push forward agendas such as the freedom uh, freedom for palestine and, and social justice, that you could do it from within the establishment and therefore you are supposed to compromise on certain issues, you have to be pragmatic, abide by realpolitik and so on. I think it's high time to admit that this was attempted genuinely, seriously and failed. And uh, we need to, to take into account that building new organizations, new networking, uh, both for Palestine and for social justice, will take some time uh, and the dividends will not come immediately. Uh, but we have this uh, rare historical moment here, uh, both in, uh, in the realm of uh, support for Palestine, where civil societies, including the Jewish community in the United States, are showing more and more support and solidarity with the Palestinian people. And more and more people, and this is on the more global uh, uh, aspect, understand the value of socialist uh, policies, especially during this uh, pandemic. Uh, I think that uh, such, such an historical moment would accelerate 
uh, 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 the the process of building a new network, new organizations of socialism and the left, which are adapted for this century. Uh, and it probably would take not as long as we anticipate because of these uh, realities. So uh, this is these are just tactical setbacks. Uh, uh, the struggle for justice is strategic, is is moral, and, and therefore uh, uh, you you come stronger from such crises rather than uh, weakened by them, uh, provided you are not losing the way and the compass forward. Thanks for that, Elan. Solidarity, um, I couldn't agree more. Of course, the fight must continue, must go on. What you were saying about the second, less, um, the second lesson that we can learn from these things, of course, we know that uh, the fight for Palestinian liberation and freedom is one against anti-racism, against imperialism and settler colonialism. I think it's important to note that as socialists, um, I think all of these evils and oppressions within society are interlinked under the economic system we, we live under. These things aren't separate. They're not separate issues. And you're right, we have to continue to fight, continue to link up, learn the lessons uh, of the past and what we've gone through. And I think continue to stand in solidarity with, with Palestine. So thank you for joining us, Elan. Uh, it was a pleasure to see you again. And thank you for answering our questions and being so clear, as always. Talking about new organisations and so on, I want to come to Emma again. The last five years, Emma, have certainly seen some ups and downs for Corbynism and the left. Both you and I know that. But for it all, we should remember that the experience has demonstrated that socialist ideas can be popular and have a mass appeal. Many Corbyn supporters on Facebook and Twitter and on Instagram as well in online meetings and so on are openly questioning whether they should remain in the Labour Party. I mean, we've got a comment from Linda who says, I resigned from Labour before I was thrown out. Lots of Labour Party members are appalled at the suspension, but feel that they can fight inside and left but the left has made too many concessions and so many people have been expelled. This is something that Linda said. So I'd like to ask you, Emma, what are all of your thoughts on this and the arguments about remaining and fighting? And um, thank you, Sophia, and um, for those comments as well. And I just think we have to um, have as our starting point that it's not just Labour Party members who are disappointed with what has happened. Actually, this is a challenge for the left as a whole. And, and you know, we talked about the Black Lives Matter movement before, but let's not forget that as well as condemning the statues coming down, Starmer also called it a moment and not a movement which I think also really you know, makes us question which part of the Labour Party should we be investigating um, for problems with racism? Um, so I think when we talk about you know, the nature of the Labour Party and what organization genuine socialists should be a member of, I think it's really important to recognize that the Labour Party in its, in its um, essence is a reformist party. This means that it seeks change through winning elections and parliament and within the existing capitalist state and system. And this means that even left-wing reformist parties will often be forced to compromise on their more left-wing or socialist principles mm -hmm. and, um, and also their commitment to workers. And this is due to specific pressure from the capitalist state and system. And history is filled with examples of how reformist parties have bent under pressure from big business and the state. Um, one example is the First World War, which saw the German Social Democrat Party, which was the biggest left socialist, they were socialists, reformist government in the world. And they voted in favor of the First World War. 
But this was against their previous commitment to opposing the war. It actually took a bottom-up struggle of workers and peasants and soldiers in a revolution, the Russian Revolution, to act to end the war. Um, and so while I think it really remains very important who's in the leadership of the Labour Party, it still remains that the Labour Party will still remain what the Russian revolutionary Lenin called a capitalist workers' party, which means that even when it's at its most radical, it doesn't even claim to be a socialist party, even though, of course, there will be genuine socialists in its ranks. The Labour Party will still ultimately conform to the main driving force of capitalism, profit. And history has shown us over and over again that genuine reforms are never won by reformist parties alone, but they're dependent on the struggle from below. You know, the victory of the civil rights movement, the abortion rights struggle, the Black Lives Matter movement today, all were dependent on what was happening on the streets and in the workplaces. Um, in the words of the late Marxist historian Howard Zinn, um, he wrote that what matters most is not who is sitting in the White House, but who is sitting in or going on strike, um, who's marching, who's occupying, who's out, outside the White House pushing for change. And so while the fight for the reforms to the system are essential, the current crisis has really laid bare how incapable capitalism is of solving any of the problems we face. We've seen that capitalism is a system rotten and sick to the core that can't just be reformed away. But what we need is socialism. We need a socialist revolution. And this does not mean that we don't want to support left-wing governments or that we don't campaign for reforms. Another famous revolutionary, Rosa Luxemburg, a Polish revolutionary, who was also a committed opponent to the First World War, insisted that revolutionaries must be the hardest fighters for reform. But we need to raise the demand for revolution at the same time. So I'll just finish by saying that I really feel that people who supported Corbyn, whether inside the Labour Party or, or not, now really what we need to be doing is getting stuck in into the movements and struggles in the workplaces where and where possible on the streets organizing for the inclusion of schools and colleges in the national lockdown, campaigning to defend and extend the furlough and for the creation of, of jobs, for green jobs, support the movement against racism and for Black Lives Matter, protest over the climate emergency, for freedom for Palestine. We are strongest when we organize collectively as workers in our workplaces and trade unions. So wherever possible, socialists should be raising these issues in their workplaces, taking collective action and linking together with other groups of workers and community groups, like we've seen groups of teachers doing across the US to push for a struggle for the revolutionary change that we need. Amazing, thank you so much, Emma. Clearly, Abby Armstrong uh, completely agrees with you as you were speaking, she wrote a comment saying, I left the Labour Party when Corbyn was suspended. I cannot support a party which would expel a lifelong anti-racist member and bow to the racism and classism of the Tories. Um, I know it's a school night, so thank you for joining us, Emma. And also I'm aware that you're specialising in a music teacher, but that was a spot on history lesson that I felt like you just gave us. So thanks once again for joining us. Solidarity with all the work that you're doing in the NEU. Do keep up the good fight and hopefully uh, we'll see you in many actions and so on to come. But thank you for joining us. Finally, um, I want to come to you, Charlie, once again to wrap us up this evening. It's one thing to say, just as Emma has done brilliantly, that the Labour Party simply does not cut it, quite frankly, as it is, especially with Keir Starmer at the head of it. But in a world of such chaos, COVID, climate change, racism, economic crisis and so on, is there really an alternative where the left can be more effective? 
Well, look, our argument is not that the Labour Party is exactly the same as the Tories. It's not. Uh, it's links to the trade union leaderships, means it's a different sort of organisation. But it's an organisation which, from Tony Blair on one end to Jeremy Corbyn on the other, shares one central principle, that struggle outside Parliament must be subordinated to struggle inside Parliament. The winning of elections is absolutely central. And this has been the hallmark of the Labour Party since its inception. It's the one unbending principle that it has always held to. And it's meant that it supported the First World War, as Emma said, as the party that developed the British atomic weapons. It's the party that uh, led, alongside George Bush, the war in Iraq. And we should remember that history, because although what Starmer is doing is appalling and outrageous, uh, it's not really shocking if you look back at that history. And therefore, we have to look at a different form of politics. And here, sometimes it's said, ah, if we leave the Labour Party, we'll be doing Keir Starmer's job for him. Well, if you leave and give up, uh, withdraw from activity, if you feel there's nothing can be done, then probably that is going to cheer up Keir Starmer. That's not what we're arguing. We're arguing to liberate yourselves, to come outside and join a revolutionary organisation. And what I'd say is, what really cheered you up over the last two years? I know for me it was the climate change strikes and the climate change rebellions. It was the Black Lives Matter movement. It was the movements in Algeria and Sudan and Catalonia and Hong Kong and in Chile, the French Yellow Vest movement. It is looking now at the women of Poland taking to the streets, demanding abortion rights and shaking up the right-wing government in Poland. It's about seeing where the wellspring of resistance and change comes from. And I know that those movements, almost all of them, had nothing to do with the traditional social democratic parties or the trade union leaderships. They emerged semi-spontaneously from the resistance of people against intolerable conditions. And we will see again and again that sort of resistance break out. The question is, can it break through to become a challenge to the whole of the system itself? And this is urgent. Capitalism threatened existential problems of nuclear war, of poverty, of racism, now offers us as well climate catastrophe and recurring pandemics. This is the situation. It's an urgent situation in front of us. And I'd urge people not to burrow back into the structures of labor and laborism, a slightly different form of Labour Party. That's been tried. It's tried by Syriza in Greece, the great hope of Europe in 2015, now broken by the power of the international institutions and by the Greek ruling class. Look at Podemos in the Spanish state, now a party which emerged from the great resistance against the last financial crisis and seemed to be again a huge hope, but is now sitting with a right social democratic government implementing policies that are disastrous for Spanish workers. 
So our message is one not of despair, but one of hope that from those movements, we need to fashion something different to that which we've been offered before, a revolutionary organization, which doesn't fixate on parliament, but draws its energy from the movements from below and allies that with a set of politics that says, it's not a particular form of capitalism that's the problem. It is capitalism itself. It's not the adjective neoliberal capitalism, unregulated capitalism. It's the now. Capitalism is the problem. And we have to do away with that capitalist system. And all the great advances of the British working class have come from struggle from below. And this is what we need to base ourselves on. And I'd urge people tonight break from the party that has suspended Jeremy Corbyn. Break also from the structures of the party that make compromises and concessions inevitable. And instead join the Socialist Workers' Party to become part of every struggle that takes place, but also to have a vision of revolutionary political socialist change. Thank you. Thank you very much, Charlie. Uh, Elan has just messaged me saying we need a party that says no to capitalism, no to Zionism and no to racism. So I think we're all in agreement here. Thank you once again to all of our speakers who joined us tonight. Charlie Kimber, editor of Socialist Worker, Emma Davies, our primary school teacher and NEU activist. And of course, Elan Pape, our worldwide renowned Israeli historian and anti-Zionist and author. Um, we've just got a little few announcements before we look off for the evening. I hope that everybody has learned a lot from that discussion. I certainly did. And I feel much more confident now to be going out into my workplaces or our educational school places and so on, and to be tackling these arguments and putting forward a strong defense of Jeremy Corbyn um, and a defense of anti-Zionism as a political position. Next Sunday, we've got a very, very special, another Facebook Live event. This time we'll be talking about the results of the US election, which is of course happening tomorrow. So give us a follow on Socialist Workers Party on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. We'll be joined by a live panel in the US, including August Nimtz and Paul LeBlanc, who are two American academics. It's certain to be um, a very exciting, a very, very exciting meeting. Of course, like Charlie said, we don't say the Labour Party are like the Tories. They have got grassroots um, and links to trade unions. However, the Democrats do not. So I think whatever the result is, Donald Trump or Joe Biden, socialists on the ground will still have to mobilise in America, um, you know, against racism, against capitalism in general, and the society that they've still got going on there. Um, also, I'd like to announce that all three of our speakers have actually written books. They're all three of them are authors. You can find all of their books at bookmarksbookshop.co.uk. The link is at the bottom of the screen. Bookmarks is a radical and independent socialist bookshop. I think obviously we're all aware that uh, in lockdown, a lot of people have been reading more, but a lot of people have been going to places like Amazon and so on to get their books. Uh, we really encourage you to buy your books from Bookmarks. They're sustainable um, and it's a good cause. And we all know that actually independent books in bookshops and radical bookstores, there's not many of them left uh, um, here in Britain. So it's, it's good to go and support those sorts of businesses. And lastly, I would just like to second what Charlie touched on really. Of course, today we have discussed what this seems to be or is clearly the end of Corbynism and an alternative to Labour. But despite Jeremy Corbyn's suspension, there were still millions of us who were inspired by the type of society that he fights for. 
And what, we cannot lose hope for this kind of society. Just as Elan was saying, we have to learn the lessons of the past, build a stronger movement. And of course, I think there's one thing that's been made clear since the events of last week, and that is Keir Starmer does not represent the kind of society that those millions of people joined the Labour Party to uh, vote for Corbyn and back a socialist society, one of equality and so on. So I think for all of us who have been part of the inspiring movements that Charlie just spoke about from Black Lives Matter, the climate movement, powerful anti-austerity movements and so on, we must continue to organise and agitate against Boris Johnson and the murderous Tories. I think we have to remember that in the pandemic that's going on, it's the Tories who have completely mishandled the situation situation and let thousands of people die um, and working class people and so on. So I think we cannot lose hope and we have to continue to agitate and fight against them. If Keir Starmer won't fight against them, then we certainly will. As socialists, I think in order to build this world that we're talking about, we need a radical organisation that goes beyond the limits of electoralism. We need to oppose racism, sexism, transphobia. We need to fight against climate catastrophe and all other oppressions in all its forms. And this is exactly what we do in the Socialist Workers Party. We are a party of leaders who will never compromise on our values. We will defend Palestine and we will fight for a world of justice, equality, one free of bigotry and racism. And this is a society that is free of capitalism, a socialist one. And this fight becomes easier, obviously, the more there are of us. So if you're a young socialist, a trade unionist or even a long-standing Labour member or somebody who hasn't been involved in the movement before this, who's been let down by Keir Starmer and the right within the party, I would really encourage and urge you to join us in the Socialist Workers Party. The link is on the bottom of the screen uh, below. And of course, the world that we want to build starts right now uh, from the moment you click. Join the link and hopefully we'll see you on the barricades, see you on the revolutions. Thank you for joining. This video will be up on our website. So you can share it amongst friends and comrades and so on. And uh, last but not least, I'd like to encourage everybody to stay safe, but most importantly, stay socialist. So good evening. Bye.